0: And uh, I personally don't know where I would be without you. And and collectively, as a community, we say we need you. Um, Lord, would you guide us this morning, guide our hearts. We we, uh, know that if we're left to our own devices, our hearts uh, just just wander. Wander, Lord, wander far from you and far from uh, your thinking, your way of being, the way that you created us originally to be. Tell them I'm not here. Lord, we ask your presence. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen. All right, let me just share a couple of things. If you don't know, if you're visiting here for the first time, we're in the middle of our Nehemiah series. We're going to be in this throughout the entire summer. You're wondering, what? There's only 13 chapters in that. I know that's, there's a lot for us to cover. Um, and um, Nehemiah was a man who was called by God while he was serving in the king's court, and, and you know, by the end of the summer, you guys will have this whole down pack, who was serving in the king's court, who was called when he heard about the walls around the city of Jerusalem being broken to go and be a force for good in the hometown of his ancestors to rebuild that wall so that the people of Jerusalem and, and Judah could worship again properly within that wall. There were people that were um, vulnerable to attack, um, and they had tried to do this work years prior, like 150 years prior, um, but it, the leader, because of the, a lot of different reasons, intimidation things, Ezra was not able to complete the task. Nehemiah gets called back to it. There's a second chance. There's an opportunity. How I many of you guys know that the gospel gives us ample of opportunities to return, to get back on track. And Nehemiah uh, goes and completes the project, uh, rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem, reestablishes uh, the worship of the one true God. And, um, but he doesn't do that without the opposition of the people who were there around the time um, that he was there um, to do this thing, to accomplish this task. Um, and that's exactly where we're at right now. In chapter four, there's opposition, and Nehemiah has come up with a plan to face the opposition. And uh, yeah, so that's where we pick up this morning. But before I go right into Nehemiah, I wanna just kind of review what has happened this week um, and then just share a couple of things with you and then, and then kick off from there. So um, this week, we got a chance, you guys know, so let me just bring it home real quick. This is a part of why this is important. Uh, Nehemiah talks about rebuilding the walls from the beginning of this series. We've saying our walls in our city in Philadelphia to some degree are broken. There are systems that are broken. There are things that are happening in our city uh, where we need to re- invite God once more to rebuild so that uh, the people that are within our city uh, the, that are now presently vulnerable could be protected and, and, and could be pointed once again to the heart of God, pointed once again to worship of the one true God. Uh, we identified specifically two populations. Um, uh, the population, uh, the children, those that are youngest among us, who are most vulnerable, the, the school system is in shambles, they don't have money um, to do what they need to do, and then the prison system, um, the $500 million building that's supposed to go up just a mile and a half from us, Um, and and folks are fighting about that. So there's funding the prison, not funding the schools, and and figuring out, you know, what's the disconnect. There's a pipeline between the school system, and um, there's a TED Talk out there that Chris probably mentioned a couple of weeks ago, along with Bridgie, uh, that talks about the pipeline between the school system and the prison system here in Philadelphia. Um, so what we decided to do is try to put a dent in that, uh, somehow partner with uh, the local school system, and we did that this week. Uh, we were able to serve the, our local school here, Henry Lawton Elementary School, around the corner, uh, where many of you guys have uh, your children that go. It was the very last day that the teachers were there. They were there to break down their classrooms. And we said, well, we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to be about it. And we uh, connected with the principal. Originally, we were supposed to have a barbecue. But then the barbecue didn't go down. Um, but they opened up another door for us to serve them. Um, thank you to Naziha naziha's our liaison there. Um, so I'll always put her on the spot. Uh, but we were able to serve. Uh, we got 100 pretzels. We got about three things of uh, fruit salad. And the teachers were so... Uh, uh, in awe, because they're like, what? We, we stationed some people at the door to disarm them. We put Miss Ruth at one door. We put the and the kids. They were doing the nay-nay and some other stuff. Uh, <laughs> so the teacher was like, what's happening? I don't know. Who are all these people in blue shirts? And uh, when they walked in, this is the first thing that they saw. It was a bunch of people with gloves on, with smiles on their faces that were just ap- appreciating all the hard work that they had done, all um, year long. Uh, So if if you were one of the folks that served there, I just want to say thank you. And I just want to kind of report back to you guys. This is kind of the direction that we sense that the Lord is moving us in. I actually got a chance to talk to the principal. We talked about a block party, uh, again, to help rebuild the walls, to bring some community. Uh, August 29th, we're going to have that, put that on your calendar. um, And we're going to be here. We're just going to be, the more and more I pray about it, the more and more I'm trying to discern what we're doing from the Lord is we're not going to just take over the block. We're going to be one with the block. So we're going to invite the, the neighbors to also be a part of this and not just say, hey, a church is going to just throw some loud music on and bring a whole bunch of people that don't live on this block, but we're here and then just kind of like trump over your grass and stuff. But we'll get the sense that the Lord is saying, we want to be neighbors. We are your neighbors, actually. And we're here multiple times a week and we want to get to meet the people that live across the street from us, that live next to us, so you guys can shake hands with them so that we're all here just partying, you know, take some time here and then sometime around the corner, sometime wherever, um, and spend as much time as you can while you're here. The principal did have an idea. She said, don't do the backpack distribution that day. She said, I have something even better, she says. "Um, I want to introduce your church on back-to-school night, which happens at... uh, the end of September, apparently it's a big deal. And she says, and I want to talk about our budding partnership and I want you to talk about your church and, and tell the families that are here that um, your church is a safe place for their children and that people can come there to learn about the Lord. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's, that's what the principal said. I was like, okay, you're going to let me say that? I got you. All right, I, ca- I can do that. So, I mean, I wasn't, we weren't doing this to get people to come to our church, right? We were doing this to bless the community, to put a dent in the system, but God's opening some doors. The more and more I'm working on this, the more and more I'm starting to see why the Lord closed the door on the carnival. Um, So that's that. Amen? Amen. Can can somebody say praise God? Praise God. All right. So these are just some pictures, Anna and and, uh, Val praying with another lady in front of the school. And this is uh, the team that was with us and are and with our kids even now uh, downtown. We were just hanging out with some homeless folks. Uh, we do an activity called Lunch with Jesus uh, when we have teams that come out. We, we, I'm thinking, we've never done that with our church. We need to do that. Uh, where we make sandwiches. Uh, we make two sandwiches at least, one for you and one for a person that you're going to sit and have a meal with. Uh, and we, we get that rooted in Matthew 25, where Jesus says, when you did these things for the least of these, you did these things for me. Um, so we call those modern-day theophanies. Um, if you pay me five bucks, I'll tell you what that means. Um, so it just means that Jesus shows up, you know, and, and sometimes we miss it. You know, and Jesus is, you know, he says, when I was naked, you know did you clothe me when I was hungry? Did you feed me when I was sick? Did you come visit me when I was in jail? Did you come visit me or write me or whatever? Um, So we try to take that and actually apply that to what that would look like in 2015. So this is our team doing that. Um, And actually, I actually know this man for for many years working at Project Home. So it was really neat that they got to meet someone that I have a background with. This is the entire team, the team that you met. Um, So that's where we're at. So we wanted to kind of... Review this week and kind of give you a preview of what's happening next week. On Monday, a team comes at seven p.m. and they'll take over our church again. And they're a church that um, is in partnership with us for now, three or four years. Um, so, and they're going to be great. Actually, it's that's how we got Phil, and that's how we got Seth, the Karen kids, and that's how we started to gain influence on the Karen campus. And that's you know, what was that three three years ago now? Uh, three and a half years ago, excuse me, um, <laughs> that that we got them, and they've been such a huge blessing to us um, even from then. So put this in your calendar. Tell somebody about this. This is what we're going to do with them. They're going to host on Friday night a family-friendly movie night, and it's completely free, um, and uh, you can bring your kids um, next Friday. Uh, and uh, I think we're going to watch something like Superhero 6 or something. Is that a movie? Big Hero 6. All right, my bad. I was like, what movies do people watch? We did The Incredibles last time. That was a hit. All right, so you can, you can uh, come to that, plan on coming to that, tell your neighbors about that. It's going to be right here in the sanctuary. There's going to be some AC flowing. Uh, we'll provide snacks. We're going to provide some hot dogs. If you guys want to provide fruit, want to cut up some fruit, you're more than welcome to come do that as well. Fruit and desserts. You're good with that. Yes, All right. Good. All right. Now, getting back to Nehemiah. All right. You'll if you if you stick around long enough, you'll figure out that my thinking is not linear. All right. What I mean by that is that I don't start here and then end here. I kind of write with my left hand when I'm a righty. I kind of speak with my left hand. So I'm like. But I'm going somewhere. Do you trust that I'm getting somewhere? If you've been around long enough, you, I want you to trust that I'm, I'm I'm getting somewhere. And I can't fix that. I try. I try. So pray for me. Pray for a brother. All right. You keep coming back, so I don't know if it's the coffee or what. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, cozy. <laughs> um. But yeah. I want to talk to you about what's happening in the book of Nehemiah and what we're experiencing today um, in America and hopefully not stretched it to very much. Um, I think that right now we are living in what's called a Kairos moment, in a, in a, an appointed moment, a supreme moment in time that God wants to do something very, very specific. Uh, in Greek, the old uh, Greeks used to have two words for the word time. Somebody say time. Okay, they had the word chronos. Somebody say Kronos. All right, you're getting your, your Greek on. And then they had the word kairos. All right, kairos. Kronos was just kind of just the telling of time. You know, what time is it right now? It's 11.42 a.m. That's the chronos time, right? When you look and you say, this is the chronology of events. Something happened. It began here, and then this happened this year, and then this happened this year, and then this happened this year. It's, you get You get what I'm saying? That just means that. However, there was a second word, all right, called the word called kairos, a specific moment in time... <laughs> for a specific reason um and everybody knew exactly what that was about right she's like dude do you remember the time when um yeah dude it was like 947 when that happened right and sometimes the two overlap right so it's like Okay, well, do you remember when 9-11 happened, right? Oh, yeah, it was like 846 in the morning. You know what I'm saying? And and sometimes those two things coincide. But most of the time we say, yo, remember that time that summer that, are you tracking with me? It wasn't like, yo, it was like the 6th of June, and it was like 2.30 in the afternoon. Nobody says that, right? It's like it was a time. You get it? Are you tracking with me? And I believe we are in a time right now in the, in, in the United States and in the state of the world where the church is being called um, to rise up and to be the church. Okay, I'm going to break this down a little bit more and I'll, I'm i going to ground it in Nehemiah, okay? In Nehemiah, we'll see um, in, in the old... Uh, Jewish Hebrew uh way of fighting um the armies used to sound and you'll see it throughout scripture specifically in the psalms um, and in the books of history the historical books they used to sound a shofar um for for two for two main purposes to sound the alarm that that it was wartime like that would sound like a pretty decent shofar right I wish I had a shofar and I always I'm like, ah, oh, are we ever going to be a shofar church? Because shofar churches are, like, weird. They're like, but the only, all right, this is me having ADD right now, right? The only th- reason why they're weird is because they, are like, want to become Jewish after they pull out the shofar. I'm like, nah, bro, you're from Philly. Um, all right, my ADD is coming back. No, settling down. But, and in the Old Testament times, they used to blow this thing for two main purposes. It was a time of celebration and there were different types of um, sounds. So a long sound meant one thing, interrupted sound meant something else, right? And, um, and I'm going to ground this in scripture in a little bit. But I believe that the, tr- the trumpet and shofar have sounded specifically for us in the Christian Missionary Alliance. And I'm going to read something um, uh, to tell you why. The other thing is that right now, you guys know everything that's happening. There's this hashtag, all lives matter, in response to the hashtags, black lives matter. Um, And I agree, all lives matter. But right now, in this Kairos moment, in this moment of time, we're talking about the black ones. Are you with me? Okay? All lives matter. um, It's not either or. Yes, right? But right now, okay, we're talking about the black ones. Are you with me? And I'll, and, and, and I'll seek to ground that as well. Some people say, well, you know, I, I want to join this fight. And I'm going to say to you today, don't join the fight to be on the right side of history. Join the fight to be just to be right, just because it's the right thing to do, Right? Oh, well, how will I be perceived or how will my grandchildren perceive me if I stand on this side of this issue or that side of the issue, right? Throw history out the window and say, what is right? And that should always be the case, right? What is right? What is the right thing to do? What is the the biblically moral thing to do in kairos moments like these, right? And we've missed it. The church has missed it. We've missed it a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And the other thing is that the world right now needs leaders who will respond to the Father. All right, you're wondering, like, that's mad vague. I think it was Bill Johnson who said, we don't react to the enemy. Christians, as Christians, we're not called to react to the enemy or the enemy's attacks. We're called to respond to the Father. Our focus is on the Father. Our focus is on what Jesus is doing. The Bible doesn't say, Jesus reacted to the enemy. So that's why he went on and healed people and that's why he went on and blessed people and that's why he went on and fed 5,000. No, the Bible says this, he says that. Jesus did what he saw the Father doing. We take our cues from from the Father, not from the enemy. All right? So that's a little recalibration for us as the people of God. Amen? Let me just read something for you guys uh, from the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Verses uh, 13 through 19. Therefore, I stationed some of the people. Now at this point, uh, 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 Tobiah and Sambalot, uh, Nehemiah's enemies, um, have intimidated him, have ridiculed him, have uh, brought him uh, uh, discomfort and threatened him with an army that were going to rise against you. You cannot finish this work of rebuilding this wall. And he says, therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall. Somebody say lowest. At the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight. Somebody say fight. For your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. Let me just pull something out of that real quick. All right. At the lowest points of the wall. If you read scripture, you need to say, okay, well, how can I break this down? What does that mean? Okay, Nehemiah did not address this to us. He was just recording history. But what are some of the lowest points of our walls? Right? That's the question you might ask. How does this apply to me? Right? If a preacher preaches to you and you cannot answer the question, now what? After he's done preaching, the preacher has not preached. Oh, I just gave you a bunch of information. Right? But but you're supposed to walk out of church being able to answer the question, now what? And if I have not answered that, if I have not provided that for you, both in the past or in the future, I have not done my job. Right? Right? And so right now, we're breaking this down. He's saying he posted the people in the lowest points of the wall where they were most vulnerable. And he posted them by families. He posted them because they were attached to that place. He said, they're going to fight for these things, for their brothers, their sisters, right? I don't care how much beef you may have with your mom or with your brother or sister. When somebody threatens your family, there's a different animal comes out, right? Some of us turn into the hawk, right? The Lord has to physically restrain us, right? And so Nehemiah taps into that psyche to some degree, and he says, I'm going to set you up so that you protect that which matters most to you.
1: All right, let me flip this real quick. You know how the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 12-14, we are one body. We are one family. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, Ephesians chapter uh, four, I believe. So
0: when, and, 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 and Jim touched on this briefly,
1: when one part of our body is vulnerable, our entire body is vulnerable.
0: You know when when you have an infection on your leg, and I've seen this with uh, working home with homeless folks on the street, right? Um, and they don't get medical care. They get they, they get gangrene, and they have to amputate
1: the leg so that it doesn't get to the rest of the body. Right? Are you following me? Right? If our black brothers and sisters are under attack and if one of the lowest parts of the wall is the fact that we as a society are not post-racial yet. We've not overcome the demon of racism. And we've got work to do.
0: Amen? There's a Kairos moment that we're living in right now. Again, all lives matter. I'm not disputing that. But we're talking about the black ones. And the Bible says this. The Lord is coming back for one church. He's not coming back for the Asian church first. Or the white church because they got to be on time. Or, or, the, or, the, or, the, or the
1: black church, because they'll have all the amazing music. He's coming back for one church. One church. And this is what the Bible says. It says, every tongue, tribe, and nation. He's not going to blend us all up and we're all going to look the same and sound the same. I think sometimes in america we uh
0: get thrown off by by this idiom that's a huge melting pot and i'm not sure that that's the way the kingdom of god works maybe that's the part of the problem that that we're trying to be a huge melting pot but i believe that god has called us to be more like a stew than fondue Let me break that down, all right? Let me say that one more time. That God's calling us to be more like a stew, and maybe that's just because I'm a guy, right? And I want
1: meat, right? Then fondue. In fondue, everything becomes one. Everything
0: melts. And you cannot taste the difference between one and the other, right? But in the kingdom of God, right, I think we're called to be more like stew because the carrots still look like carrots. The onion still looks like onion. The meat still looks like meat. The celery looks like celery. The goya is still in there somewhere. (laughs) All right? But the best elements of each other, they take on. Right? The carrot doesn't taste like a carrot that you just pulled out the fridge.
1: The potato doesn't taste like a potato that you just peeled. The meat is not as hard as it once was because it's been the crock pot for 12 hours. You're with me? And so sometimes what we do is we say, oh,
0: man, I really got to get to the prayer part. Louis, stop. I'm sorry. I'm responding to internal stimuli here. Uh, we really, really... Got to act like we all have to be the same. We don't have to be the same. You Irish folks, keep your Irish heritage, right? Scandinavian folks, keep your Scandinavian heritage, right? Uh, Haitian folks, keep your Haitian heritage. African American folks, continue to look for the heritage that was once stripped from you
1: and identify and be you. And let's take on the best of everyone's
0: without stopping being ourselves, without having to stop being ourselves. Are you with me? And I think that's part of the problem, but that's
1: a side point, right? We're in a Kairos moment, and all lives matter. This other thing, in I applaud the black plight, Black folks in America have been at it for a really long time. And right now, it's starting to come back up to the surface.
0: And this is what I said to, to a team earlier this week. You can only shove things
1: under the rug for so long till the lump gets so big and the shop back gets full. You're tracking with me? So I want to place you like Nehemiah
0: placed people by families strategically at the lowest points of the
1: wall. Right now in this Kairos moment, the lowest points of the wall is that we we lack unity and there's a spirit of racism even amongst the church. And we're
0: in dire need of the gospel and reconciliation. So what I want to do, right, is train you, equip you, and place you at the lowest points of the wall and allow you to struggle
1: between each other and have these conversations and not put those things under the rug any longer so that you can be a part of the solution. If you're
0: idle, you may not be part of the solution, and you might well, I'm not part of the problem. Uh, I don't
1: know, that's debatable. That's debatable because apathy, and we saw this weeks ago, still in Nehemiah,
0: is not one of the traits of reformers. And this is what God's calling us to. Believe that the spirit of leadership is on our church. We're in a spirit, uh, we're, we're in a time of uh, a leadership development, right? And so how are we going to be placed or respond when this stuff hits home? Or, 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 or as it's already hit home, or on our blocks that are quickly changing, becoming more and more colorful. Amen? Let me read uh, the next part of, the, of Nehemiah here. Then he goes, From that day on, half of my men did their work. Okay? Once they took, they didn't underestimate the enemy. They, they, they took the enemy's um, uh, word for, you know, that they would attack. So he did what he did. He stationed people where, where, where the lowest points of the wall were. And while the other half were equipped with spears, shield, bows, and armor, half of the men did the work. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand. Somebody say one hand. And held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet. Let me say trumpet. Stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people: the work is extensive. Say extensive and spread out. And we're widely separated. How uncanny. Widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there, our God.
1: Will fight for us. I believe that the tragedy that happened on Wednesday in the Charleston
0: Church, South Carolina has the potential to wake the church up. But the enemy intended for evil. I am praying,
1: hoping, believing that the Lord will turn around for good. Some of us woke up when the Eric Garner thing happened in Staten Island. Some of us woke up when the things happened in Baltimore. Some of us woke up with what happened in Ferguson. Some of us woke up when what happened in McKinney. Texas. And I believe right now. And then, I mean, a lot of them have not been reported, right? I haven't gotten media and things like that. And this has been happening for years. The, the black community have been dealing with this forever. Can, can, can somebody
0: say amen? I'm not black. Let me tell you something. And I am not speaking as a black man. And I will never know the fullness of the black experience. But you are my brother. You are my sister. So I am entering in or
1: hoping or trying somehow to tell you, I'm listening. I see you. We see you. Amen? So I believe that the trumpet has sounded. In the text, the
0: trumpet doesn't sound. You don't see that they go to war. But throughout the New Testament, we see that we do have a war that we need to prepare for, right? And that the weapons of our warfare are not the same as the weapons of this world. And we talked about that last week. He said, if it's flesh and blood, then it's not our enemy. There's always a spiritual causer of the cause behind every one of these actions. So we deal with it in the spiritual realm and then try to exercise um, wisdom, sometimes resistance, and the power of the Holy Spirit at other times. Just a couple of days ago, I got this, le- this email from the president of our denomination, and I would have to say this about our denomination. Our denomination has not been the best in recent years when it comes to um, uh, racial uh, things. <laughs> Just leave it at that. But Our denomination has a history of being on the right side racial things. I'll tell you something about A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Back then, it wasn't a denomination. It only became a denomination in the 70s. It was a gathering of people who were like-minded that wanted the things of God, that pursued the things of the Holy Spirit, and that wanted to see the whole world set on fire for Jesus. Their, Their mantra early on was the whole gospel to the whole world And from the very early stages of this organization called the Christian and Missionary Alliance, they did not do the things that the world around them was doing. In fact, A.B. Simpson left the church that he was at a post at in New York, um, 10th Presbyterian, because they would not, because he was starting to reach out to the Italian immigrants around them, the people that were starting to come in the turn of the century in the late 1800s, and the people that he was pastoring at the time were like, whoa there. Don't bring those whoppy people around. Right? Don't don't bring those Italians around. And so A.B. Simpson said, that's not the gospel that I read in the New Testament, so I will leave. He left his post of a very prestigious church, started a prayer meeting. And from the very beginning of the Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, they sent black missionaries side by side, white missionaries, to preach the gospel. But somehow, somewhere, there was a disconnect. And I'm not a CMA historian, but I think it probably had something to do with when the CMA started pulling out of cities because the, the black concentration was in cities that we started you know, out of sight, out of mind and so we start, stopped empathizing with our black brothers and sisters. But this week, I love the direction that our new president is beginning to take us in. And uh, he's the first to admit it. He hasn't been very vocal about these issues in recent times. You know what happened on Wednesday was at a Bible study. And I'll, let me just read you this email that I got. Haven't we all attended this Bible study? A few gentle saints circled with open scriptures to find strength, insight, and intimacy with their Lord. Friendships are formed. Faith is deepened. The word of God leads them nearer to the God of the word. We can picture the participants, can't we? The preacher with gifted mind and gravelly voice has come to the study to be a student of the word himself. The Bible study leader is a sister who wants nothing more in life than to please her Lord in all she does. It matters not to her if she's known for little else. For truly, there is nothing more. The local librarian has left her beloved bookshelves to study the book she loves most. A sister investing her life for the next generation as a speech and track coach has made time in her busy schedule to feed her own soul. A recent business school graduate, 26 years of age, is present to ground his life in the eternal truths. The circle fills with a recent retiree, an assistant pastor, a mother of four, and of course, Grandma Susie. Grandma, at 87, still sings in the choir and finds her way into the church anytime the light is on. The body of Christ has gathered in the name of Christ once again. According to the word they study, Jesus himself is present among them. The word is holy. The word holy is understood as set apart for God alone. This is truly a holy moment, a kairos moment. Since the the earth's earliest days, evil has slithered its way into holy things, not to worship but for warfare, armed, dangerous, and with ill intent. He waits for the moment to strike with venom. The earth is aligned with heaven when God is receiving the glory, but glory is the very thing the evil one seems to crave the most. No price is too high for the pleasure of a few moments in the spotlight. The headlines in the pleasure making, evil drinks of the bloodshed feeds on the fear of, it elicits, elicits and gluts itself when hatred and revenge spread. From the garden to the upper room to a Charleston Bible study, evil arrives, often disguised as a valid participant. How are we, the church, to respond? If the church reacts with suspicion to every guest, we only perpetuate the fear evil six, seeks to induce and we will shun honest seekers who are being drawn to the light. If fear wins, we all lose. If revenge wins, we all lose. If hate wins, we all lose. If racism wins, we all lose. The church would be wise to be on alert. Be innocent as dove and shrewd as snakes is Jesus' word to us in Matthew ten sixteen. An innocent, trusting, welcoming, dove-like spirit should mark the church, yet we're also invited into the street-wise, shrewd, eyes wide open, savvy that the Spirit further grants us. And the church would do well to respond in another way. The bodies have not been buried. The story is less than 24 hours old. Yet someone standing in front of a media microphone announces, it's time to heal. I appreciate the sentiment, he says. Healing does need to come in time. But before healing, the precursor for healing, an essential prerequisite for healing is necessary. We must." grieve as Nehemiah grieved in chapter 1. This is not the time to focus on healing. This is the time to weep. Grief is the godly and healthy response to loss. The Church of Jesus in America has lost nine more saints. The African American community has suffered yet one more devastating blow. And at this moment, we as the Church of Jesus must share, must share in the morning. We grieve that our country still evidences the rotting remnants of deeply held racism. We're obviously made, we've obviously made less progress than some of us had assumed. The Birmingham church bombing of 1963 took the lives of four schoolgirls. This latest atrocity took nine lives. Has the heart of our nation truly changed? Or have we just pushed our prejudice underground for it to explode in brutal episodes such as these? A day for healing must come. But that healing will be a more profound healing if we allow grief to carve its channels deeper into our hearts. Yet the church of Jesus shares in a distinct form form of grief, sorrow that is laced with hope. The gospel of Jesus is a message of hope. For he is the Christ who grieves with us from an empty tomb. He is the Christ who loves us from an empty cross. Our price has been paid he is a Christ who opens arms to us, re- revealing nail-scarred hands. He is a Christ who alone will untie people from every unite people from every race and culture. Hope Bill Grief is unifying and uniquely Christian. Evil is arising to drive an ever deepening wedge between the black and white communities in our nation. And this time, evil has chosen the nation's greatest center of hope for reconciliation, the church. So let the church arise. It's the church that must continue to lead our nation with Christ's message of hope. One of the most beautiful expressions of the body of Christ that he's ever experienced was the African-American church. The grit of the worship, the passion of the preaching, the street-level involvement of the ministries, the holistic approach of the messages inspire and enlarges them. The African-American expression of the church shakes and startles his Scandinavian caution, eliciting cracks in his self-made fortress that allows more glimpses of heaven to break in. At this moment in American church history, I stand with my sisters and brothers whose heritage as earth citizens differ from mine, but whose heritage as heaven citizens is the same. I stand with them in grief. I stand with them in hope. I stand with them in prayer. And I call our entire Lions family to do the same. So at this point, I'm going to call um, Courtney to come
1: up. And this is what I want to do. I want to pray. I want to pray. I want to pray. I know it's Father's Day, you know, and and I want to
0: pray for the fathers too. All right? Um, But this is a Kairos moment that we need to jump on. Um, And if it's okay with you, and I've run this by at least one other person, um, I want to invite our, our black brothers and sisters, if you feel comfortable, to come up. We want to surround you. We want to pray for you. We also want to pray for the families of these folks. These are our brothers and sisters. We're going to see these guys in heaven. They don't look like us. Um, But yeah. So I'm going to invite you guys to come up. This is... For the, for, for the families and victims of the Charleston Massacre. These are their names. We want to call them by name. We also want to pray for, for the family of the, of the assassins. So, um, let's do this first. Let's break up into groups and get, get up right now and find groups of three and four. And let's pray for these families. We can do this in, that, yeah. And you know what? And stay in those same groups and then if there's someone if they feel comfortable with it, that's a, a black person in your group. Gather around them and pray for them as well. Make sure there's there's some diversity in your groups, all right? Find some diversity, all right? Mix it up, all right? So you can look up. This might be a little bit small. Cynthia Hurd, Susie Jackson, Ethel Lance, Reverend Depayne Middleton. Honorable Reverend Clementa Pickney, who was also a state senator and the pastor there, Tywanza Sanders, Reverend Daniel Simmons, Reverend Sharonda Singleton, Myra Thompson, and Dylan Roof. We're going to pray for these folks right now. But, but, But pray for them. Your heart should be breaking. Pray, pray. We're good. You guys are good. So let's get a group back here. Up that prayer and ask ask if it's okay for you to pray for folks, specifically Black folks in your circles. Ask first. Pray, pray for their hearts. Pray for your own. Pray for their protection. Pray that the Lord would protect your mind. Tell them. Look them in the eyes and tell them, "I see you." with you, you matter, so let's start making uh, that transition. High Have their backs. But we don't want to miss this Kairos moment. Brother, we see you. Sister, we see you. All lives matter. But Right now we're talking about yours. You are made in God's image. You're God's child. God's son and daughter. The dudes in your in your group, if they're dads, let's pray for them. It's Father's Day after all. Yeah, embraced. It's good. Lay your hands on the dads, and I pray that uh, that the dads would be those who lead the charge of peace and reconciliation. Find a dad, everybody, find a dad, find a dad, find a dad. (laughs) Put your hands on a dad or a dad-to-be, all right? Father's Day to you, too. Lay your hands on them. Pray blessing over them right now. bless you. We give you hope. We pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would do great things. Amen. Lord, that you would be the peace. Amen. That these fathers would be, uh, can someone go get our kids and bring them up? They have to, those teachers have to go back to Tyson. we, We declare that, Lord, that you would use the fathers here do great things in your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you're a mom, go get your kid. I'm going to get yelled at. Now may the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he would send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and keep you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into these doors. God bless you guys. Have a great week.